are listening to audio from Emmanuel Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more resources like this one, go to EmmanuelBirmingham.com. I, uh, just over the next 15 minutes or so, I really want us to um, just really hone in on the cross on the reason Christ came to die. And I want us to not move past it too quickly. I think that oftentimes we zoom to Sunday, which Sunday's a great day, obviously. But we don't sit with the heaviness of what Christ did and accomplished on the behalf of his people. So I'm gonna read for us John chapter 19. And we're going to just meditate a bit on the cross. So John chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. And Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, in an Aramaic Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation, the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus. And he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the Place of a Skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It was written in Aramaic and Latin and in Greek. 
So the chief priest, said of the Jew, the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. He said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, he said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and they broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, he asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and they bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Kings aren't supposed to be killed on crosses. Kings aren't supposed to be beaten and scourged, mocked relentlessly, humiliated, stripped naked, crowned with a crown of thorns. Crosses were saved for the worst of the worst criminals. I mean, Rome wouldn't even crucify their own citizens. Now, kings aren't supposed to be killed on crosses. From all appearances, the first century person observing these events take place. That first Good Friday, which at this point in the narrative is only, is only Friday. Jesus was a colossal failure. 
just another Messiah figure coming on the scene, proclaiming a kingdom he could not deliver. And just like every Messiah figure before him, Rome snuffed him out as easily as blowing out a candle. His followers, save a handful, are gone. The crowd shouting Hosanna a few days before now have their mouths filled with crucify him. The king who, according to the Pharisees, was a threat to Caesar is now pinned to a tree by Pontius Pilate of all people, an obscure governor who was a nobody, who apart from this situation would have just died and faded into obscurity. Some king to die at the hands of a weak governor and a bunch of jealous Jewish leaders. Kings should have armies, kings should have thrones. Kings should have crowns of gold, not crowns of thorns. Kings should have robes of fine linen, not nakedness and humiliation. Kings are supposed to rule in might and power. When one mocks a king, what's supposed to happen is that's supposed to be the last thing out of that person's mouth. I mean, kings are supposed to have kingdoms, at the very least. Yet this king has none of those things in this moment. All this king has is his mother, a few followers, some sour wine, and a few hours left to live. I mean, Jesus doesn't even have his father in this moment. His father, the very one that Jesus had come to do the will of, his father forsakes him on the cross. Jesus has nothing. Jesus has nobody. If only Jesus would have let the crowds crown him king all those other times they desired to do so. If only Jesus would have assumed a throne when the people were healed or fed or raised from the dead. If only his timing would have been a little better, a little more precise. If only he would have had the foresight to know that Rome would eventually snuff him out because of his popularity. This may not have happened. But he knew this was supposed to happen. And on top of that, he didn't even do anything to warrant this treatment. No deceit was found in his mouth. No action that was harmful or sinful towards anyone put him on the cross. No crime committed, even Pilate himself admitting that. No crime committed to the smallest degree, much less a crime that requires crucifixion. This king is hanging on a cross, his lifeblood dripping out of his broken body from nothing he even did. It's the apex of injustice. But as Jesus hung on this cross, church, make no mistake, as Jesus hung on this cross, he never vacated his throne. But this is why Jesus came in the first place, he came to die. He started his life in linen cloths and he ended his life in a grave in linen cloths. He came to die, ransom people, and establish a new type of kingdom, one that is characterized by death and sacrifice, by forgiveness and grace, not power and might. One whose citizens are marked by radical love for one another, even a love that drives us to our deaths for the sake of each other. He was a king, no doubt. But his crown was one of thorns and his throne was a cross. Yet in assuming this splintered throne on this Good Friday, Jesus was not just embracing death at the hands of sinful humanity. 
but he was embracing the curse of God on behalf of sinful humanity. Thorns and thistles, God said to Adam. Thorns and thistles, Adam. That's the price of the curse upon you. Everyone after you will bear the same curse. And as this world is broken by sin, the work of your hands and the work of their hands will always be under the curse of thorns and thistles. Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree, God says to Moses. Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Cut off is anyone who's put on display from a tree. But Jesus wore this curse on his very head, church. As those soldiers twisted together those thorns, Jesus was about to wear the curse that had characterized humanity from the beginning. And he bore this curse in his very body, church. He's about to be placed on that tree, cursed in front of everyone that looks at him and on display that others may go free. Jesus is the king we truly all desire in our heart of hearts. He is a king that far surpasses anything that we could ever ask or imagine. He's a king that truly seeks the good of his people. And he's the king that takes his own desire to glorify the Father and do us good all the way to Calvary. So don't let appearances deceive you. Jesus Christ allowed himself to be put on that cross. He went voluntarily taking this throne of cross for six hours so that we could behold him on a heavenly throne for all of eternity. He truly is the humble servant king, the fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecy, the true and final atonement for our sin, and the full satisfaction of what our hearts desire. Yes, kings are actually killed on crosses. Yet the death of Christ, this true king, would be the death of death for all who by grace through faith in him find their salvation. Christ our king redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Thanks be to God. This has been a sermon from Emmanuel Church. To learn more about Emmanuel or to give, go to Emmanuel with an I, Birmingham.com. You can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Emmanuel Birmingham.